0: Stop here. Yeah. Yeah. It's Wednesday, August 19th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. But we are bringing in a special guest today as well. Dr. Jesse Morse wrote recently for DraftSharks.com about seven players with injury questions for 2020 that he'll be watching as we all navigate the thick of fantasy football draft season over the next few weeks. You can also find injury write-ups from him for many players on sportsinjurypredictor.com. We will be seeking Dr. Jesse's insight throughout the season, so this seemed like a good time to learn more about some key players that we all have to decide whether to draft or avoid in the coming weeks. You'll hear why Dr. Jesse is not worried at all about Ben Roethlisberger's throwing elbow, but our guest also digs into important items such as exactly how a high ankle sprain impacts a runner and what the heck a list frank is. Without further delay, let's get to it joining us now is dr. Jesse Morris he is a sports medicine and regenerative medicine specialist at the Osteopathic Center in Miami he is also a partner and content provider at the fantasy doctors dr. Jesse welcome to the show thank you for joining us thank you very much for having me we're gonna be discussing some key injury situations today that, that could shape your drafts over the next few weeks and then potentially the fantasy season itself before we get to those players though dr. Jesse, How did you get into fantasy? How did you move your medical knowledge over to the fantasy space? So I've been playing fantasy baseball and and football for probably
1: 15 years now, give or take. Uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, so I was a little spoiled by uh, when I started becoming old enough to appreciate football. Brady was already in town or just got there, and I just kind of rode the wave ever since. And over the past five or six, seven years, as I grew more specific sports medicine knowledge, I realized that there was a big gap in people understanding what these injuries meant and what it translated to in terms of effectiveness in the field, return to play times. Is he actually going to be 100% when he comes back in the field? What's his risk of re-injury? All that type of stuff. Just, be, I mean, understandably so, most people don't have medical knowledge, or at least to that level So I try to translate it to layman's terms like I were to do with my patients.
0: And in your day job, do you work with a lot of athletes?
1: Yes, I've seen many of the players that you watch on the field.
0: In addition to his Twitter handle, which is at Dr. Jesse Morris and the fantasy doctors at the fantasy DRS on Twitter. You can also find Dr. Jesse's insight this season on sports injury predictor. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to having your insight into those injuries again. Like you said, explaining to us what it all means.
2: Well, you're now the smartest person on staff, so that's good to have you. And, and I think we're gonna we're gonna have you on weekly on the Draft Sharks podcast, doing a little injury update for you know, the previous week's injuries and what we can expect for the week ahead. So that'll be that'll be nice to to have that information.
1: Yeah, the cool thing about it is compared to other sports like hockey, the beat writers do a really good job of poking and prodding and trying to get a good idea of what's going on. It's really weird when you can say, yes, I got a grade two hamstring strain in the mid location. I'm like, that's what I would tell you in the exam room for the most part. So it, it's nice because then I can give you an accurate diagnosis as opposed to hockey. It's like, yes, he's got a lower body injury. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? It could be anything. <laughs> so it's it's hard when 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 it's very vague. But now, uh, and, and that's a, one of the issues I had with writing up the rookie stuff. I'm like, they don't tell you anything. The high school and college, they don't really have to say anything. So they miss the game. They leave a the game. You don't really know what happens. So in the NFL, it's a lot easier. You can track it a lot faster. Uh, and especially if they're on the injury report, at least they can give you a rough idea what's on what they're dealing with. But these guys deal with so much stuff that you'll never hear about. But, we, you know, we try to keep track of it and then, and, and then organize it and to say these 10, 15 names you got to worry about. Because there's always 40 or 50 guys that are really injured. But you got to prioritize which ones you're really worried about and which ones aren't really as big of a deal.
2: I will say that Sports Injury Predictor has the best injury history for college players that, that you're going to find. So if you're interested in that, uh, go check that out it's on the site. And since we're talking about rookies and college players here,
0: let, let's go ahead and jump into the list of players. And let's start with Tuo Tanga bailoa because there's a lot more out there about his injury than we typically get about a college player, at least from my standpoint. What do we know, what do you know about Tua's specific injury and, you know, the rehab since then and what we've heard about him on the field in Miami? For uh, Before we start off, everybody
1: on the list I have not personally evaluated. So there's no, I don't use any HIPAA stuff anyway, but I don't have any insider knowledge on any of these guys specifically. But I have studied, everyone on this list I've written up a full injury profile on. So I've done all the research already that started in April. Tua's hip... So there was a, p- a point in time it, right after the injury where I didn't think Tua would ever play ever again. It, it was that big of a deal. So a combination between him being a high profile athlete, him getting the best medical attention, pretty much money can buy him being young and just athletically gifted. All of those really have helped shape his career and, and, and his ability to get back not only on the field, but perform at what I expect to be a pretty high level. So The long and short of his injury is the hip is a ball uh, and socket joint. To hold that ball in that socket, you need cartilage. What happened was he dislocated the ball out the back of the socket, thereby tearing the cartilage, which is the labrum. He also tore the uh, articular cartilage, which is the protective layer around the bone as well. So they had to basically repair both of those. I've talked to several surgeons that repair these. And all of them have said at some point in time, he will have significant arthritis. He will have decreased range of motion. He will have scar tissue. He's going to have issues. The question is when, not if, but when. So the good news is that he's young. But if you go back and you look at his injuries, and he's had a lot of injuries, a lot of them are from people tackling him from behind. So I think he thinks he's faster than he is. (laughs) And the problem is, when you have a significant hip injury like this and you're trying to escape a would-be sacker or a tackler, there's a chance they're going to catch you. And now the guys are in NFL are faster than uh, you know, the guys in college for the most part. I'm a little concerned about him, but gifted would be an understatement for this kid. Uh, mentored by Mariota from the get-go but he's definitely, his hip is concerning. I just don't know when it's going to bother him. And all you can remember, he's lefty, so that's rare. The entire line has to be flipped, and, and there's a lot of mechanical stuff that, that remains to be seen. So i love to see what he can do, but I don't know what to expect out of him, to be honest with you.
2: So it sounds like long-term, there's concern there. Short-term, is Tua at more risk if, say, say Miami puts him into the starting lineup in September versus waiting until December or even 2021?
1: I think they are being really careful and monitoring very closely. So if they've cleared him this far, they've pretty much given him the green light. I wouldn't be surprised if they were doing what we call serial MRIs, which basically means you get one every six weeks, eight weeks, whatever the interval is to check, to make sure the blood flow to the ball doesn't decrease. Cause that's basically what happened to Bo Jackson. And that's why he needed a hip replacement. The uh, among other reasons, but uh, if the ball, deteriorates and, and collapses, then you don't have, there's nothing there to support it. And you have to, you you have to get a hip replacement that happens when the blood supply gets injured. And that can happen as a side effect of this injury. So they have to monitor this very closely and it can happen at any point in time in the future. So that's why they got to kind of keep an eye on him. but I'm not overly concerned about him in, in the near future. I'm hoping that they dropped a ton of good cells in there regen stuff. You have the best uh, ortho hip trauma surgeon in, in arguably the world and Chip Rout that did it in, in Houston. So I think that
0: as far as I'm concerned, he should rock and roll long-term, maybe a different story. And certainly Miami's willingness to take him fifth overall indicates that they believe he'll be good for a while and we'll all kind of see down the road. Yeah. Despite ever evaluating them
2: before they drafted him. <laughs> right. Ben Roethlisberger, who I think is going to have you know a bigger impact on fantasy football this season. He had that throwing elbow injury last September. I think the report was that he injured three separate tendons in that throwing elbow. Had what sounds like was Tommy John surgery, basically. You noted, Dr. Jesse, that only one quarterback between 1994 and 2008 required Tommy John surgery. So it's extremely rare to see a quarterback return from that surgery. What do you expect from Big Ben in 2020? So the funny thing about Big
1: Ben is that, as you said, this injury is so rare for quarterbacks. Baseball players, you see it, unfortunately, all the time. Uh, Completely different mechanism of throwing, and you put different stress on. It depends on the, the level of the fingers and the pronation of the way they throw the ball in baseball versus football, and that's why... It, it, it stresses the, the elbow. The reason why it happened to Big Ben is he was trying to do a sidearm pass like you see with Mahomes. I'll do it a lot. Um, but unfortunately, it was probably the straw that broke the camel's back, and it just it tore it. Mahomes was drafted uh, as an MLB player, so he, he's he been doing it his whole career. So that's why it's not a big deal for him. The good thing is that this ligament is now ready to rock and roll. It's probably stronger and tighter than it's been in the past five or ten years And I wouldn't be surprised if he has better velocity, which probably means he can fit the ball in tighter windows because it should arguably move faster. I don't know about the spiral and whatnot. I don't know if there's anything to support that. But I think expecting his 2018 numbers is a little aggressive because that was a crazy season. But he's definitely going to be better than what they had last year. Juju's there and he should bounce back. Deontay has monster potential. Washington's there. So I'm excited about it. It
2: remains to be seen, but I'm not worried about his elbow at all. Zero. I'm not sure if you saw, there's, there's a report, I think it was yesterday, from the Athletics' Mark Cabley. He attended the Steelers' first practice that was open to the media, and he he at least thinks that it looks like Big Ben has changed his throwing motion a bit. Is that something you'd expect after that injury, or is it cause for concern?
1: No, I'm, I'm a little surprised, but maybe he realized that his old motion, he just couldn't, he didn't like it anymore. He, it wasn't comfortable to him. So at that point, he just decided to change it. As, as far as I'm concerned, as long as he can get the ball there and he's not like hitting like his lineman with the ball or, I mean, he's a big dude, but, you know, uh, going to hit his elbow on somebody's head when, when, when somebody's trying to sack him. I, as long as he gets the ball there. I mean, I always thought Philip Rivers had the funniest throwing motion I've ever seen. He like pushes the ball in the air. I'm like, what is that? But as long as he goes there, I, I don't, you know, I, it is what it is. But I didn't, I didn't make note of the change. I did yeah. see that uh, the video yesterday hit Claypool in some crazy rotational catch.
2: Yeah, it's funny you say that because in Cabley's article, he, he said that Ben's throwing motion reminded him a bit of Philip Rivers. <laughs> yeah,
1: Rivers
0: is like the funkiest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how he physically does that, but it works. It's worked. You got to figure that the football throwing motion is less strenuous than a pitching motion, right? Oh, without question. There's no question. Mm-hmm. The the data for baseball
1: is insane.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you throw a ball higher than eighty two miles an hour, which is nothing for these guys, most of us can't do that. But you stress the ligament every single throw mm-hmm. at, after eighty two. To give you an idea of how mm-hmm. some of these guys pitch their whole careers and not need anything, and then some guys tear it pretty quickly. The football, on the other hand, is you. I mean, it's usually a more of a shoulder issue than a f- elbow elbows just part of the mechanism to get it there. Whereas baseball, it's all elbow. Shoulder's important, but elbow's really
0: where the stress comes out in, in the actual Tommy John ligament on you know, the collateral. Over at running back, Chris Carson's been one of the big question marks, I guess, heading into the season. He had the hip injury late last season. Now, I guess first of all, as far as you can tell from what's been reported, what was his actual injury in the hip?
1: So they've been really hush-hush about this.
0: And, and, and there's a couple key points
1: that I took home from reading all the stuff that I could find. One was that it was definitely his hip. And two was that he didn't have surgery. It, well, I guess there's a third. He had a fracture. Those three comments are very important because true hip fractures usually almost always require surgery. So when I hear that he didn't require surgery, and you're talking about a player of this caliber athlete that you know he's going to go back to the field when he's ready, that means that it can really only be one injury, at least unless they kind of called it a fracture, but it wasn't really a fracture type of thing. It's it's a stress fracture to the actual hip, and you can have that in two places. One of the places you always have to have surgery because they're inherently unstable and they will fracture very quickly, uh, even if you shut them down the other one you can get away if you shut him down, but the problem is with ground and pound and going to have high, relatively expected high volume, he's at risk for doing it again, which is obviously my concern with him, which is why I've been fading him unless you get him at a steal and you hope that he gets lucky and it's either not this season or later in the season, kind of like when it happened last year, but you got to remember that Penny's probably on the pop with his ACL. He pretty much tore his, uh, and, and the data is not very good for NFL running backs to tear their ACLs while they're in the NFL. So they don't, he doesn't really have a ton of competition. I mean, what Homer's there. I forgot who they, they drafted what Hyde? did they took up Hyde, and then somebody else, but Carson should be
2: the guy. I just, I don't know. Yeah. We've talked, we talked about on previous podcast episodes that Carson was awesome last year when he was healthy and, to me, the only concern is you know injury, and he he has had other injuries too. Besides the hip, is there is there a percentage chance of refracture? Have there been any studies or reviewing my notes? It looks like he
1: suffered a compression fracture with likely less than fifty percent of the total volume of the of the bone. Most athletes take six to eight weeks to start walking again without crutches, and up to fourteen they need to return to walking and then need to be completely pain-free before they can start full activity. Time ranges between 12 and 28 weeks to return to play, basically half a year. And then he'll probably get serial MRIs as well. He might even need contrast to to see the uptake of the bone. But I don't have any specific percentages for his, you know, for for refracture. But it's not a very common injury. Out of all the stress fractures in the body – this part of the uh, of the hip is only three percent to give you an idea so it's not a super common location we traditionally think of stress fractures in the foot or in the shin which is what a shin splint is uh essentially and, and you can get them other places but that's traditionally where we get them aaron judge had it had one in his first rib up here in his, in, near his neck but this part of the of the bone is not very common so there's probably not much data on it at least for, for professional
0: players so does that mean that we can't really know a whole lot about whether it's going to affect his performance, even, even short of the, the, full re-injury. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other variables. Does he have any labral
1: tearing in there? Does, which is basically the cartilage and, and the shocks for the hip. Did they go in and re-strengthen all of the ligaments that really do the heavy lifting for the hip? Did he work with PT and appropriately physical therapy and uh, help to decrease stress on that and make sure that they were limiting the amount of wear and tear. I mean, all these are hypotheticals, but I, you know, so all these variables, you'd like to think that they were, they would do the best that they could for their athlete to give him the best chance to come back and continue to play for them. So I'd like to think that you rock and roll with him and and, and just hope that they actually treated him appropriately. He did
2: avoid the pup list, the open training camper, or at least he's off it now. I can't remember if he started on it, but he's practicing now and at least seems like he's on track for week one um, let's yeah. move on to Sony Michelle, another guy who has a long list of, of injuries, mostly to the lower body. The latest one was the May foot surgery he had. He's still on the pup list. Um, there have been reports from a couple of Patriots beat writers that Michelle isn't a lock for week one. I don't think we know much about the surgery. Do you have any thoughts on what Michelle's injury might be, how long he's going to be out, what he'll look like when he comes back?
1: So Sony's had his fair share of injuries. The problem is he fell off a cliff last year, uh, and as a Patriots fan, I watched him. Uh, he didn't have one single game over 100 yards last year, and he played in all 16 games, but he had his fair share of carries. I mean, he had 247 carries. You've got to remember that he had an ACL tear in high school that most people don't know about, and then he had a fractured shoulder blade that missed, cost him four games at Georgia. Then he had an ankle injury that cost him more. Then he broke his, his forearm – I mean, so he's had, he had a, a knee sprain and he had knee scope. So he's had a lot of injuries before this foot injury that just came out of nowhere. This was in June and he said he was recovering from a, from a foot surgery and they described it as more of a maintenance than, you know, a treatment, so to speak. And they were describing some, uh, to alleviate some discomfort is how they described it. So that makes me think that it's more of either a bunion could be turf toe, unlikely, but could be turf toe. Maybe what we call neuroma extraction. Uh, uh, Morton's neuroma is a collection of tissues uh, that are nerves that are very uncomfortable. Bunions are very common. Uh, I remember Julio Jones had one years ago that he had taken care of. So I don't know what to make of it. But the issue with the foot is that obviously you can't run on it if it's not stable and if it's not ready. And you saw that last year uh, with, uh, I mean, a bunch of guys, Cam, Cam's foot. Uh, anybody who has f- significant foot injuries, you struggle because I- without proper placement of the foot,
0: everything else doesn't matter. Yeah, so we'll have to watch uh, Stony Michelle when he does get back on the field. When, whenever that comes, well, I guess we'll have to start judging from his performance from that
1: point forward. They're ramping up Damian Harris today a lot. And then, I mean, obviously they kind of randomly signed Lamar Miller. Not the most comforting, and I would not be surprised if they pupped him. To, I would completely – the Patriots do their own thing. Mm-hmm. They have a method to their madness that I don't know if anybody understands. But I would not be surprised if if he was popped to start the season.
2: Yeah, Michelle on the pup list. Lamar Miller actually was placed on the pup list right after the Patriots signed him. He's still recovering from the torn ACL. So it's it's been all Damian Harrison. Don't forget about Rex Burkhead either.
1: Oh, yeah. And then uh, they got some other rookie, J.J. Taylor or something
2: like that. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, the little guy out of Arizona, Yep. Yeah. Yeah, even a little guy compared to us non-athletes. <laughs> right. Over at wide receiver is another foot injury that's been resounding in fantasy. It's Debo Samuel, who suffered a Jones fracture back in May, I believe it was. Uh, what's the outlook for him as we wait to see if he's going to be back for week one? Even Kyle Shanahan says he's hopes that Debo will be back, but can't count on it. So my partner at the Fantasy Doctors, who actually started the Fantasy
1: Doctors, uh, Dr. Celine Perik, is a, a foot and ankle surgeon at Duke. Orthopedic. And he does actually a lot of research on this specific injury. So I just asked him, I was like, where are you at? He's like, the key time frame is nine weeks. After nine weeks, these guys do great. Before that, mm-mm, they, they have a lot of issues. The issue is nine weeks is about late August. So it depends if, if everything's going according to plan. Now take into consideration that this is potentially one of their star players. They have, well, they had, they're starting, they're starting to get thin and then they're starting to sign random guys again. But so I don't know if they're going to be conservative with him. There's a chance he could play in week one. I just don't know how aggressive they're going to be. Jones fractures do really well after a screw is inserted. So what is a Jones fracture? A Jones fracture is the pinky bone at the base. So more towards the heel than, than, the, than, the, than the actual toe. And, and the issue with it is it's broken up into three zones. Zone one is a little avulsion fracture, not a big deal. Zone two is Jones and zone three is basically the rest of the toe. Zone three, for the most part, heals well. Zone two does not have a good blood supply. So it doesn't really heal. So even if you put them in a, a boot for six, eight weeks, you're, they're, they just don't heal. Once you put them back down and start running again, they're going to fracture it. So you have to put a screw in it. The issue is they've been prone to refracturing the screw. Greg Olson did it, Um, but most guys do pretty well. Julio Jones has actually had a screw in his foot for years now, and I don't believe he's ever had it removed, and he's been a rock star for at least five or six years since he's had it. So most guys do well, but they don't, unless they get the screw, they're very high risk. So once he's back rock and roll, it's just too early to tell if they're going to pop him or not.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the 49ers don't know if he's going to be ready for week one at this point. The original report came from John Lynch, who said that he he wasn't sure. And then Kyle Shanahan said more recently that he thinks Debo has a chance to be ready for week one. But at least good to know that, you know, when when he does get back, he'll be past that nine week timetable. You mentioned that. Um, yeah, he
1: should be ready to rock and roll. Yep. I, I, I mean, that and that offense, he's going to be solid. He should be the one. You know, I mean, Kittle is his own beast, but, you know. So Odell Beckham,
2: he says he played the entire 2019 season with you know some type of core muscle injury. He ended up having sports hernia surgery in January. He, he says he's back to 100% now. He's practicing. So I guess the question is, how, how big of a deal was that injury? And how, how much blame would you place on his disappointing 2019 season on that injury?
1: This injury is awful. Guys hate this injury. Let me describe what it is and why it's so bad think of where the muscles of your lower abdomen meet the top of your groin at that that kind of bone the pubic bone it goes to the left there's one on the right and there's one on the left well what happens is these guys have tearing at where the, the abdominal muscles insert into the bone so every time they twist it feels like they're tearing muscle more now think of what a ride receiver is supposed to do he's He's constantly twisting and running, and, and and every time you pick up your leg, you're you're hyperextending your abdomen, which fully tear which tears it more. This injury does not heal well with just rehab. Ask Deshaun Jackson; it just doesn't do well. There's two ways to treat this surgery, depending on how bad the tear is. If it's mild, you can you can stick some high high level growth factors. We've done at our clinic, and you can get it to heal, and they do well. If it's really torn, you have to do a, a surgery on it. But the surgery is awful. Like these guys hate this surgery. Doctor Myers, William Myers, is like the guru for this. He practices in Philly, and that's where most of the guys get it done. But it's a good six to eight weeks of rehab, like legit rehab, to get back after the surgery. But once you're back, there, these guys are good. It just they don't feel the same with the injury. They just can't. They never feel like they can get loose. They feel like it always bothers them. It's very common in hockey too. So, unfortunate, uh, there is some to blame. He still had a decent season, but not compared to, you know, Giants era, the OBJ. But hypothetically, he should be healthy this year, at least from that injury perspective. Whether or not he can perform is a different story.
2: Let's stick with Beckham's teammate there in Cleveland, Jarvis Landry, who had the hip surgery on February 4th. The report after the surgery was it was a six to eight month rehab timetable for Landry. So obviously a pretty significant surgery. Uh, Landry was activated from the PUP list on August 9th, and he's been practicing now. Any guess at what this injury was or the type of surgery Landry had and, and how much concern should we have heading into this season? They
1: never confirmed this, but based on the description, based on what I've read, the timeline, he almost had to have had what we call FAI, which is femoral acetabular impingement. This is a very common hip injury. If the hip is a ball and socket joint, what can happen is you can have a extra large ball so it doesn't really fit into the socket, or you can have the edge of the socket can get extra bone growth where whenever the ball basically rubs on the extra bone and what happens is this tears the local cartilage. And the cartilage doesn't have good blood supply, so it doesn't heal. Most commonly, these guys usually have both. They have the extra bone and they have the extra large neck. And what happens is they tear the cartilage and and with certain rotations of the hip, they get this sharp stabbing pain that's just very uncomfortable. It's actually a pretty common injury. I've seen it in in teenagers, depending on uh, how active they are. In their younger years, it can get much worse, much faster. And some guys have it or people have it and they never know it because they're not active enough to aggravate it and cause that tearing. The good news, and there's a lot of data on this, especially even in in NFL players, once they fix this issue, they usually shave down the bone or depending on where the bone extra is. And then they fix the labral. The data is like over 90%, 95% that they do great. They don't have any drop in performance. They don't have any decreased years in, in like, relative to people who didn't have this injury. So once it's fixed, it's fixed. They just need to do the appropriate rehab to to get back up and strengthen, make sure everything's back to where it should be. But that's my best guess based on what they told
2: us. And and if that's true, that's good news. All right, sounds like we're buying Jarvis Landry at ADP once again. Yeah, he's always underrated.
0: AJ Green has been stellar whenever on the field, but the on the field part has been an issue, especially over the past couple of years. Two years ago, it was... A, a turf toe, I believe, based on what I know of it, but you can you know, clarify that. Last year, it was seemingly a, a bad high ankle sprain. Again, um, what exactly were the, the two injuries for him the past two years, and are you concerned about those situations as A.J. Green, we hope, heads into 2020 to actually play football? Adriel Jeremiah is on the wrong side of 30. He just turned
1: 32, and he's unfortunately – towards the end of his career and unlike Julio who is you know not much younger than him who's been able to stay healthy AJ hasn't really been able to the issue with his past couple injuries is they're all concerning and they're probably not directly correlated but they're indirectly kind of affecting each other so he just tweaked his hamstring what the other day yesterday whatever day it was and he had this kind of crazy ankle injury last year and my suspicion is we don't know the details of this injury, and we never really figured out exactly what it was. But it, it, I, I kind of had to speculate. Uh, Celine and I kind of figured out it had to have been a pretty significant ligament tear, probably a grade three, which means a full thickness. And he probably had to have a, a bone, a fracture, a vulsion fracture, where the the tendon actually uh, or ligament pulls the bone off of you know pulls a piece of the bone off of where it belongs. That's why he had to have surgery. He tried to ramp up. He did it too quickly. He had swelling. He had setbacks eventually he probably could have came back but at that point contract or whatever it was just a moot point and the team wasn't very good going back even further he's had his fair share of turf toe as you mentioned and in 14 is really 2014 is really when he started having his issues he had turf toe in his right foot which is eventually basically like stubbing your big toe but the problem is it's a miserable injury. And then he re-injured it again. And then he came back back and forth. And then he injured his groin in 18. And then he re-injured his big toe again. Missed seven games. So it really this this big toe injury on his right foot cost him 10 games. And then eventually he had surgery on it. And then he had this left foot injury last year. So he just he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And it's harder to stay healthy or get healthy when you're older and you have a lot of miles on you, even though you're still a thirty, a young thirty-year-old. I love to see him on the field. I would love to see what he can do. I just don't have much faith in him playing all sixteen games or however many games we're gonna we're gonna play. I think this is a, a Tyler Boyd, a wide receiver one. Uh, And then however many games AJ can get into, but he's definitely uh, commanding some attention when he's on the field. It's just hard to trust them. How long are they going to shut him down for this hamstring? What else is going to crop up?
0: The next three guys on our list all are listed with list Frank injuries. So before we get to the specific names, I was wondering if you could tell us what exactly is the list Frank and what does it mean to hurt it?
1: So uh, the legs Frank sends shivers up my spine, just hearing the word Um,
0: sounds evil. (laughs)
1: it's named after the person that found it okay so uh, i'm actually looking at a bridge so this is a perfect uh, analogy but so think of a bridge and think of this the bridge is your foot one part of the bridge is your toes and the other part of the bridge is your heel the middle of the bridge is the middle of your foot well what happens is if you think of putting a big hole in the middle of that bridge you're not going to drive over that bridge assumingly That's basically what happens with Liz Frank. They actually damage the middle of the bridge, which is where all the bones from the front part of the leg, bone foot and the back part of the foot come together. And there's a Liz Frank ligament that intertwines in between them. So if you sprain that ligament and think of you have an arch in your foot, whenever you injure your foot or whenever you injure the ligament and you want to step down, that bridge wants to collapse. And that's when it hurts. This is what happened to Cam last year. These guys, whenever, even if you sprain this ligament, these guys are miserable. Even putting your foot down, not even putting weight on it, putting your foot down hurts bad. Ingram had it. Uh, Alshon had this. Uh, Hollywood had this. A lot of guys have this. You can try to rehab these. They don't do well six to eight weeks if you're lucky. Most of them end up having a screw put in the middle of that bridge. Once you get that screw, you're good to go. That's what Hollywood had last year. He had a very respectable season, better than some expected. He did have his fair share of injuries throughout the season, and he said it did bother him most of the season. And he definitely favored, you know, felt it. He had his removed this past season, uh, offseason, which is very good. That means everything was healed, and now he's probably going to be even better and bulked up, so maybe he can handle some of these knickknack injuries. So I'm not worried about Hollywood at all. Actually, they're quite the opposite. Alshon, he's also getting a little older, so it's a little hard to come back from, and he's got his fair share of other injuries, so I don't know if he's ready to come back. Ingram, I saw recent video. He looks fantastic, cutting aggressively. He hasn't been able to finish a full season in several years since he started. He, he just He's going the wrong direction. Um, but I'm not really concerned about his foot once once he feels that he's confident, which it looks like he is. I just would like to see him finish a full season.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because both Ingram and Jeffrey suffered their list Frank injuries last December, and you know it seems like Ingram is a month ahead of where Alshon is. Is that just different levels of severity of the of the same injury, basically? Yeah, I mean, is it possible
1: that Ingram was aggressive and had surgery right away? Is it possible that Alshon didn't? Did they suffer a setback? And on the way back, you know, there's a lot of thing, variables that could have happened, different therapists, different other issues. That maybe they the way they, they're arch themselves, their their how their foot is 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 built, maybe they have issues with that. Maybe they use some regen, well, they fix it, maybe they put in some high-level PRP or 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 bone marrow or amniotic or what we call exosomes, which are like the new cool crazy thing. If you put that in, you're gonna in my mind it's almost like putting a fireman with a fire hose in the middle of a fire. You're giving the area what it needs right there. That's basically what you're doing with regen. So if they did that mid surgery uh, or even after surgery, you're you're going to have much better response than if you didn't do that.
2: Going back to Marquise Brown real quick, as you mentioned, he had the hip ankle and thigh injuries last year. In addition to the, to yeah. the thing, do you think those other injuries were related to the foot like should we expect him to be healthier overall this season now that he's another year removed from the Liz Frank injury so I think the foot was its own thing I just think his size he's
1: always been a little guy I mean and as I said he he bulked up so maybe maybe he can prevent some of that but he had like I felt like he was on the injury report more than he was off it he was 166
2: pounds at the combine at almost 510 he said he played last year like I think he said 157 yeah like
1: that, yeah, and then and by the end of the year, you 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 know you're losing so much weight because you're running so much and you're probably not eating as much as you should. That's a little guy. I mean, 157 pounds soaking wet is 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 a little guy, especially when you're playing with these monsters across the middle. Any little hit, he's gonna he just doesn't have much mass for him to protect. So I, I think him bulking up should help. It, sometimes it hinders because they're a little awkward, but. It's hard to tell what all these other injuries uh, are attributed to. The good news is that he was able to play through a lot of them, thigh injuries, hip injury, ankle injury. Was he having difficulties, repetitive ankle injury, because he was having difficulty planting on that foot? Uh, you can justify it. You can change, say, you know, think of if you stub your toe, are you going to walk the same? Probably not. You're you're going to try to favor that toe, and you're going to put stress on different parts of your foot. So now you could see if you're doing it over and over again and trying to avoid a would-be tackler, you're got a higher chance to roll that ankle. So, I mean, there is what we call a snowball effect. You know, this thing affected
0: to that thing. So I I could justify how he had some of these other injuries. Evan Ingram, you also mentioned, and we all know, has suffered a number of injuries since the end of the league. At what point do you start to consider a guy – Injury prone? Does it depend on the specific injuries? I guess injury prone gets thrown around basically to anybody that's been injured several times. So are there specific guys or types that make you start to worry about that? I know, depending on who you talk to, they don't like the term
1: injury prone. And I get it. But I think you get to a point where you got to call a spade a spade. Whether if a guy plays you know, five years in a row and doesn't miss a game. And then all of a sudden he misses two and then he misses five and, you know, probably not injury prone, but if the guy hasn't, uh, I'll use James Conner, for instance, he hasn't been able to put it all together at any point in time in his pro career. Is he injury prone per se? No, he just but he just got his fair share of injuries. Evan Ingram just seems to kind of something happens by the end of the year and he just gets injured. I mean he's had mcl injuries which is a knee injury he had another mcl injury he had then he had his liz frank so i don't like to say he's injury prone but i pretty much want to say prove to me that you can stay healthy you're no good to anybody on the bench so do what you have to do in the offseason prepare appropriately anticipate stressing certain injuries certain guys get certain injuries knees are very common foot injuries very common do appropriate You know prevention work, hamstrings, and hopefully that will allow you to make it through the whole season. Fluky injuries happen, but certain guys I feel like are injury prone. Will Fuller, I feel like that he will never play a full season. That hamstring is going to bother him. It's just a matter of when. And then other guys had just had a bad injury and it and it it didn't pan out well. um, You know Leonard Fournette two years ago, he came back too soon from his hamstring re-injured it, worsened it, missed another three, four, whatever games it was, and then finally came back at the end of the season strong. Looked great, con- depending on how you evaluate him. Last year, didn't have any injuries at all. Was he injury prone? I was very concerned, but he proved to me that he could stay healthy. He learned from his mistakes in the past, and then you rock and roll. No, I'm no longer worried about his injury history because he proved he could stay healthy. I need these guys to do that this year.
0: Could Will Fuller save himself by taking up ballet? <laughs> Will Fuller needs to do a lot of things <laughs> for his hamstrings. He,
1: I, when I was reading his hamstring thing, I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, I think he's I injured it like six or seven times. Like, that's a lot of different re injuries. So there's something called Nordic curls. Uh, You've probably seen them if you've been in the gym before. They're very common in soccer players who are notorious for running long, long distances. And what they do is basically they help to re-strengthen the hamstring and prevent injury. Problem is it's not a very common thing in America to do. Unfortunately, that's why a lot of these guys will suffer that injury. Ideally, again, he would go in and, and inject some... Uh, something in there to remove some scar tissue or re-strengthen some of those, uh, some of the, the the intended insertions where they insert into the bone so that when he does ramp it up to a hundred percent full speed, he's not having an injury. He's not having a setback, whether or not he did that. Obviously we don't know. And, but if I, if I were a betting man on his injury, I would say he probably is going to suffer a new hamstring injury this year.
2: Enough uh, anti Will Fuller talk. Let's uh... <laughs> Talent move, move on to PJ Hawkinson, who's been in the news recently, saying that he, he doesn't feel oh. like he's 100. I think it was last November he got hurt, and we didn't. I don't think I didn't see any details on that injury exactly. You know, I
1: recorded a video about this today, and I reviewed his, his actual injury video. It happened with 46 seconds left in the Thanksgiving game versus the Bears, uh, and there's the Boston accent. The what happened was he was flanking. He had caught the ball. He was flanking to to the left side of the field, uh, right side of the screen. And whoever was defending on him rolled up on his right ankle. So his foot kind of jammed into the ground. When you see that, there's really two major injuries you think of. The inside of your knee, the MCL, or the high ankle sprain. MCL, depending on the severity, not too bad. Very common. The high ankle sprain, completely different headache. My suspicion, well, they called it an, an ankle, so we know it was an ankle. Whether or not he injured his knee, we don't know. He went on IR immediately. He was seen in a boot and and I think it was a wheeled scooter like a month later. Whether or not he had surgery, we don't know. I have not seen confirmation of that at all. But I did see something or read something recently saying he's still not 100%. This is what, 11 months later, 10 months later? Like that was November and, and we're late, mid to late August. So that's a long time. So my concern is that, why is it still bothering him? It shouldn't be bothering him if, if, he, if they treated it appropriately and he rehabbed appropriately. So why is it still bothering him? And how much is it going to affect him? Is he at high risk for doing that injury again or a new injury? You could justify it if he's not at 100% and he should be. If you, if you think about it, if, if there's not a time to be 100%, it's now because you're probably not going to be 100% at any point in the season. So the inflation in his helium bubble is a little concerning. You know, it's probably going to start to go down a little bit because now you're concerned about his injury, you know, or at least I am. Yeah,
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah.
2: I do think it's worth noting that, you know, he he wasn't placed on the pop list. He is practicing. So I would take that to mean the Lions felt comfortable enough with his ankle to at least, you know, get him out on the field. So I don't know, maybe it's more of a mental thing for him. Yeah, I mean, look
1: at Alvin Kamara and Saquon last year. When they came back, I feel like Saquon wasn't right. I mean, eventually he looked finally kind of normal again. And Kamara even admitted that he was like 85% at best by the end of the season. He trains very, very close to here. And I know his trainer and he trained like crazy. I mean, you can watch his his training sessions, uh, doctor, just look up Dr. Reef on on, uh, on Instagram. His training sessions are insane. Like he does things I can't even fathom people, the hand-eye coordination. But it took him a long time to get back to what he quotes himself as 100%. High ankle sprains are no joke. They throw off what we call proprioception, which means if you close your eyes, you know where your foot is in placement to the ground. That's very important for a running back who doesn't have to look at the ground but needs to look up and to see, all right, where am I at the hole? Where am I cutting? Where my foot placement? That type of stuff. And if they don't have that, they don't. it zaps their burst and their power, which is everything. They need to hit that hole and cut. And if they don't feel confident, they're not going to do that. So high ankle sprains are concerning, and that's uh, that mental part of it. As, as I think that's what Hawkinson's still dealing with.
2: Yeah, it's taken me like 20 years of playing fantasy, but I think I finally learned that guys who suffer, suffer high ankle sprains should probably be like fades for almost the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I trade them ASAP. I don't care if it's week one. Yep. Because by the time they're finally healthy again, you've wasted so much time waiting for them to come back. And they're probably gonna disappoint you on the way back. Or if not, you know, even if you can get 80 cents on the dollar, obviously if it's your number one pick, it's harder to do, but it's a it's a bad injury, unless you they get really lucky and it's just a little one, but even the moderate ones are awful. Because the way what happens is Every time you foot you put your foot on the ground, the ligaments that hold the two bones together are injured. That's basically what you injure. So what happens is when you put your foot on the ground, the bones want to separate. That's stretching your ankle joint, which hurts. So, and every time you rotate, guys hate it. This is a very, uh, you can, if you roll your ankle, that's a classic lateral, simple ankle sprain. Guys can go back on that whenever, pretty much whenever they want. Not the same with a high, high ankles are awful. Guys will tell you they're miserable. They can't even put their foot in the ground. Like. Just to stand in there for like a week or two, at least. They're just,
0: they're uncomfortable. That's why when you hear that, it should make you sad and disappointed. And even though he's playing on it, we did move TJ Hawkinson down a few spots in the tight end rankings on draftsharks.com. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him this year. I, I, he's got talent. I think Stafford's ready to rock and roll. Whether or not they want to run the ball is a different story. Dr. Jesse, before we let you go, please tell people how they can consume fantasy doctors content. So there's a bunch of
1: different ways to get our stuff. I do a lot of videos on the fantasy doctor's uh, YouTube page, just what it sounds like the fantasy has a lot of stuff pulled in from all different places. I wrote up the draft guide. You can get it if you are, are, want to become a member at either our Patreon site. Uh, you can do it through sports injury uh, predictors site in- indirectly. It's on each of their individual pages. And I, I do injury uh, stuff pretty regularly daily if I can. Uh, I try to put out as much content. So it's predominantly Twitter more so than Instagram, but I, I, I dabble in between the two. But if you have a question or a concern, reach out to me. I try to answer as many as I can.
0: Dr. Jesse Morris, thank you very much for joining us today. We look forward to uh, getting your insight on the podcast and on Sports Injury Predictor, and of course, via Fantasy Doctors throughout the season. Thank you very much for having me. That'll do it for this Injury Deep Dive edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com to read Dr. Jesse Morse's review of some other players with injury questions, and check out the DS rankings to see how some camp injury reports have already impacted our projections. As always, you can find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at SchaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Dr. Jesse Morse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.